Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Tom Stevens, your host of the talk show today, and I'm coming at you live with a brand new summer series and a new topic that you are not going to believe. That's right. We've got summer series happening. It's going to be several things we're talking about over the next several weeks, and the first of which today... Okay, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of technical difficulties there. This is Tom Stevens. Long story short, we're going to be talking today about none other than the five love languages. And if any of y'all have read the book, you're going to want to hear this today because I have a special guest that specializes in working with couples, marriages, families on the topic of love languages. Okay, I apologize once again. I think we're all cleared up now and ready to go. This is your show, The Five Love Languages. It's a book that covers how couples communicate better, how how relationships can be stronger, simply by understanding what's important to your spouse or your loved one, the person that you're dating, the person that you're living with. So I want everybody here today to be able to Learn more about how to be a good partner, how to be a good spouse, and how to understand the person that you're living with more. You know, I was looking at the statistics of marriage. Obviously, divorce is just out of control in this world. And the the thing that kept popping up to me, I read this one article, and it was talking about the reasons that people get divorced. And I always think it's money. But, you know, I'm not always sure that that's the case because one of the top reasons that I saw was that people get into marriage for the wrong reasons. And a lot of times I think what happens is they get into marriage with a grandiose idea. And I try to tell couples as a psychotherapist myself that marriage is a beginning. It's not an ending. It's not the culmination of every wonderful thing and now it's all blissfully sweet from here on out. It's actually the beginning of stress and bills and working together and cooperation and understanding what's important to other people and children and life and jobs and loss of jobs and so many other things that we have to see a critical piece here and that is that if we don't understand how other people feel loved, then we are going to be in big trouble because most people don't understand what's important to another person. Stephen Covey wrote about it a long time ago in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and what he wrote was 
you know, we have to seek first to understand, then to be understood. And once we understand other people, our need to be understood is far less important because that other person will automatically want to understand us more. So with that being said, I want to dive right into this. I mean, there's so many questions I have, and I've got a really cool special guest today that's going to um, tell us a lot about this topic and um, the stories uh, that she's had from clients of hers. Her name is Samantha Ritter. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and uh, associate, and right now uh, actually one of the therapists in my practice. She is completing her internship to become a full-blown licensed marriage and family therapist, works with couples and families right now in our office, and is phenomenal at being able to understand how to help people communicate better. And she has a bachelor's degree from Oklahoma Baptist University in pre-counseling psychology and also has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Friends University. She's here in Houston, Texas, like I said, in in my practice. And and before I bring her on, just to give you all some information, if you want to learn more about what we do, didn't talk a whole lot about what I do, but I am a psychotherapist here in Northwest Houston, Texas, and I've been doing this for over 20 years and am thrilled to have somebody like Samantha in my practice who can see these couples and families and help them uh, make their lives and their relationships stronger. But we see children, we see teenagers, adults, couples, families, like I said. And if you want to learn more about us, just go to tomstevens.us. That's tomstevens.us. We also have an app in the Apple Store and also the Google Play Store if you want to go there to learn more about what we do. It's it's just a great resource to – I always think people need to reach out and get counseling before it's too late. It should be preventative to get counseling, not reparative. It shouldn't be an ER room where blood is gushing everywhere. It should be signs and symptoms that something's not right and we want to keep it stronger. And that's also why I think premarital counseling is pretty critical too. But with all that said, if anybody out there wants to call in today, talk to Samantha, ask a question about the five love languages and how to talk to your husband because Lord knows, wives, you need some help getting your husbands to communicate and to understand how to communicate and how to read your signs and your language. You can call the show in live today, believe it or not, area code 347-838-9737. Once again, that's area code 347-838-9737. If you want to talk to us, Melissa has got the phones behind the scenes. You hit the number one on your phone once you call in, and she will pick it up, talk to you, and get you right on the air to make a comment or ask your question, because that's what we want is for you to be able to get the information you'd like. So again, 347-838-9737 is the number to call. You can listen on your phone and drive in your car while you're listening, or you can push the number one and talk live to us. So without further ado, I want to bring on Samantha Ritter. Samantha, are you there? I am. Thanks for having me on, Tom. You are so kind. Thanks for having uh, taking the time really away from your schedule to be on the show because I need help with the love <laughs> language topic, and you are the exact one to do that. Before I do, I mentioned that you have your your master's degree from Friends University, but when you get a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, what does that mean? Like what specific training do you get 
because I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm an LPC, and so we get a lot of counseling training. As a marriage and family therapist, do you get specific classes on working with couples or working with relationships? We do, and our biggest focus as a marriage and family therapist would be that we are systems thinkers. So what that would mean is that if you come into my therapy suite, uh, even as an individual, I'm going to be thinking in terms of who are the other key players in this person's life that contribute to their life and other aspects of their life. Um, So that would be, I think, the biggest focus we have as marriage and family therapists is that we like to look at the system um, instead of just the individual. Okay, perfect question, because a lot of people out there, Samantha, are just regular old people. They're living their normal lives. They are husbands and wives, and like I said, I'm a guy, so I understand (laughs) what goes on with guys, and typically guys start hearing this you know, psychobabble lingo of systems and theories, and they start to cringe because they don't want to be analyzed. They don't want to be told these weird ways they have to talk and understand feelings. But can you describe what a system is? Because I think that helps to for people and couples to know understanding the system is different than, you know, John Smith coming into my office and me just understanding his life. Sure. What is the system? Yeah, yeah. so a system um, could be anything from your immediate family members to really close friends. Um, I think the important uh, key word would be um, the key players in a person's life. So I, I hope that that would encompass not just family, but even, like I said, close friends. Mm-hmm. That's good to know because it's kind of like some people – aren't really as close to their, you know, family that they grew up with, and they have actually a closer family unit with people they, I guess, are around today, right, especially with younger adults. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so when a teenager comes in your office, is it important for you to know kind of, I don't know, all the key players and, and how that teenager sees their family, father, mother, sister, brother, and friends and all that stuff, or do you just kind of hear what the problem is with the teenager and talk to them? I definitely find that um, the key players are an important thing for me to learn about um, when I get a new client. Um, And specifically if we're talking about teenagers, yes, if I had just an individual teenager come in, I would want to hear about how their family works, what their day-to-day looks like with their interactions with their family members or their close friends. Okay. So, When I read this thing before I dive in about all the exact five love languages, because that's what people want to hear about, if I read that one reason people divorce so much is because people get into marriage for the wrong reasons. I mean, would you agree? You know, it's so hard. What's your take on divorce today? I would say a huge um, factor in – decaying relationships, I guess, would be ineffective communication. That, I think I could stand behind that uh, for a universal response. But what would that mean? Like, people don't understand each other? Because a lot of couples, especially men, I'll get back to the men, 
think, you know what, I don't need to talk much. Like, And then there might be a wife that says, you know, he never talks to me. All I want to do is talk and have somebody listen to me. And the husband says, yeah, but, you know, I know what you're going to say five minutes before you actually get to the point, so we can just skip all that and move on. Do you mean, like, they're not syncing on the same, like, wavelength with things or? Yeah, I think so much of the time I've seen partners speaking a foreign language to each other. It's just as if they're speaking their language they grew up and that they learned how to speak, but it often, more often than not, turns out that your partner that you're speaking your language to does not speak the same language. Mm-hmm. And so then I think that ends, that gives couples the frustration um, that most of the time they present to therapy with. Okay, so I'm going to break it down. I want, I'm going to keep pounding this with you. Then... If that's the case, what is the fix? If communication is not good, because here's my, I scratch my head, Samantha, and I think, okay, everybody, all these people get married. At some point, they had to be happy, right? Or let's say dating, even teenagers or people in college, you're dating each other. There has to be a good connection and a fuse where they must have been communicating, okay, at some point, right? So. What what makes things turn then that makes, for instance, our divorce rate so high? Gosh, um, so you're asking what all of a sudden changes from the happy couple to we're really mad at each other? Yeah, like what what in the world? Is it just, you know, we get comfortable and life goes on and like, well, we don't need to do, I don't need to court her anymore and really try to woo her or get the, the flowers or make the phone call or, you know, take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a really good point. Yeah. That we, we tend to get comfortable in our safe relationship and that in turn sometimes makes us lazy and um, we don't care to study about learning our partner's language anymore. So we become less fluent and sometimes, um, just as we do, our partners will learn some new things in their language that maybe later on, since we're not giving the time we need to to the relationship, we lose sight of the things our partner is learning and changing about their language and how they speak it. Okay. So the five love languages, most people that I talk to have heard that topic, I guess, because it was such a popular book. and. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of been briefed on that. But I want us to kind of go through what these five love languages are and what they mean. And, and you know, as, in preparation for this today, um, and the author is Gary Chapman, right, who wrote right. this book. I took the quiz. Believe it or not, folks, you can go online and take a quiz at the five love languages. Dot, it's fivelovelanguages.com website. I don't know if you've seen this, but I took this quiz yesterday. To mm-hmm. figure out, because I already thought I knew what mine were, but I mm-hmm. took this quiz today. I'm going to tell you the answers to it uh, after we go through them, and it narrows down for you exactly what type of communication you want the most, basically. Is that correct? Like when you're talking about a love language, it's telling you what you are fed by most, what what feels best to you. Yeah, and what it, it's speaking your language, if you're hearing your love language, that's what will tell you you are loved. Yes, which is different than 
what other people need. Right. Right? Like we we my tendency is I'm gonna love you or talk to you or communicate with you the way I think I would want right. to be like cared about. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's walk through these. All right. We're gonna break them down. I'll just start and throw one out and you tell me about it. All right. Okay. Words of affirmation. What does that mean? So, so words of affirmation I would think of um, being compliments, being praises, acknowledgments of work that your partner has done. So an example would be maybe um, your partner has taken out the trash. And so a word of affirmation would be, thank you so much for thinking of me to take out the trash when I was really busy or whatever the situation might be. Okay, and so it's literally words. hmm that helps another person feel appreciated. Yes. Is it, you know, you're awesome, you're, you know, the best husband ever, um, you know, I, I'm i so lucky to have you, thank you for making so much money at your job, <laughs> or is yeah, it more personal? Yeah, all of those are great. So any of them will work. Yeah, as long as you are, you know, building up your partner. And honestly, it is it is dependent on the person's um, unique style of the love language. So typically if you're going to, if you find that your partner does speak words of affirmation as their love language, it would be best to ask them specifically, well, what is it you like to hear? What are the points in our relationship that you need to hear this? Yeah. And and just to clarify so people know, Samantha, a lot of people have this question, why five love languages? Like what's the point of five and how did he get how did Gary Chapman get down to these five as main critical pieces? Why not something else? Well, from what I've read about the coming about of the five love languages, it's been more of I don't know that he set out to only find five of them, but I think these are the main pieces of relationships that he found through his counseling of different couples. Mm -hmm. So in other words, these are five main areas, not the only areas in the world, but really five core areas, this one being words, that really can matter a lot to a lot of people. And there are some people who are very, who feel very loved just by people appreciating them through saying words, like, thank you very much for that. Right, right. You know, it's kind of like you go into Chick-fil-A, you get your lunch, and you say, thanks so much, and they say, my pleasure. Always in Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. they say, my pleasure. And that is an affirmation that if words mean a lot to you, you really appreciate that. And so, Right, definitely. Some, and it's true, right, that some people, words of affirmation are not that big a deal. When I say, thank you so much for, for cleaning that up, it's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just that maybe it doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's not the biggest thing I could ever have. Yeah, sure. Sometimes like quality that would be their language. Yeah. All right, let's go into quality time. Now, quality time, I think for husbands, because I've worked with enough couples to see it, they almost think this is quantity time. Like, this is, okay, I've got to sit with her. I've got to go to a movie with her. 
I've got to go shopping, Samantha, with her. What does mm-hmm. quality time mean? Break it down. Quality time would be, again, when I think of it, it is kind of dependent on the person. So um, quality time really is kind of its own style as well, where it could be defined differently to each person who speaks that language. So quality time to one person might be um, doing dishes together or something, like you're spending this time talking and doing something. Um, or quality time to another person might be going on long walks. So mm-hmm. it, it really depends on how a person um, enjoys their time and enjoys that time with their partner. Yeah, you know, so like if it was me in quality time, it might be like literally going to the golf course uh, or going fishing and having my wife there, which I would love just having her there but to her it might be oh my goodness this is like completely boring i don't want to do this so it communicates a lot to me but not much to her right yeah so if she did that like hey let's go fishing and i just want to hang out with you for the day and and we'll sit on a boat and and go fishing and she might read a book but Mm -hmm. we're there together and we're spending that time for me i might leave like completely pumped up and and excited and she might have just done it to show me she cares about me. Right, yeah. And I think, Samantha, that's really a little bit of what I want you to talk about because using that fishing example, it it doesn't mean that both people have to leave that scenario pumped up and happy about it. It could be that my wife just wanted to show me she loved me and cared about me and did that for me because she knew it would mean something, but it doesn't mean I should expect her to be, so let's go fishing all the time because this is the best thing ever. We had a great time. (laughs) I have to be able to do the same, right? Right. Yeah, unfortunately, um, both partners aren't always going to enjoy each other's love languages. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. I think what motivates us to continue doing them despite that little piece, though, is um, the reward of loving your partner and seeing that play out. Yeah. So what's the balance? I'm kind of sidetracking here, but how do you keep score of this, Samantha? Like, what if you feel like you're always meeting the love languages of your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend, and they're never meeting yours then? Well, gosh, that could, that has a lot of layers or could possibly have a lot of layers, but I'm thinking if, you feel that there's an imbalance on you and your partner speaking each other's love languages, I think there's a conversation that would be helpful to have with your partner saying, you know, I am really intentional about speaking this language for you and I'm just not really feeling it for me. And, you know, it could just be your partner got mixed up on what your language was and was speaking this whole other language, you know, it's just kind of something that sounds like would be really helpful to just talk about with your partner. And you're saying language a lot, but by language you mean not just words, you're talking about these specific, covering these specific topics, could be words of affirmation, but also quality time doesn't have to be any words at all. It's you doing something because you wanted to show somebody they matter. Okay. Right. Physical touch. Right. That does not only mean sex. So (laughs) that's a big misconception that a lot of people have. All right. 
Yeah, and um, it's not just um, intimacy such as sex. Intimacy with physical touch could also be like a massage, a back massage. It could be something as simple as you're out in public and you hold your partner's hand. Those little things um, could make a world of difference to someone who speaks the language of physical touch. So, no, it does not only include sex. (laughs) So if a husband says, yes, it does, to me that's what it is, what does the wife say? Oh, gosh. Um, So if the (laughs) husband's saying the only way I know that my wife loves me is if she has sex with me, I I mean, you can't really argue with someone's feelings on that. And again, there might be a lot of layers to that as well. Okay, which goes back to the more you know about your spouse's or your girlfriend's or your boyfriend's love language, the better you can communicate with them. And that's what I don't think everybody understands, Samantha, is if you don't know what your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife's love language is, at least generally, then you're shooting in the dark, aren't you? Just guessing? Yeah, definitely. Man. Okay, physical touch. Sitting there holding hands. Okay, honey, how long do we need to hold hands before, you know, (laughs) this is all good and I get credit for this? Like, what does it mean? Yeah, um, so you're asking if there's like a time limit for physical touch? Well, I'm saying I think a lot of couples, and I've seen men and women, be like, you know what, I, I'm fine with doing this, but I only want to be able to do it so much. I just, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just not the physical touch person. And if I've got to hold your hand, then okay. But, you know, how long do you need it for? Um, well, this makes me think of something that Gary Chapman talks about a little bit in the book about a love tank. And so, again, I think it goes back to each individual's uh, decision on how they speak their language um, and their love tanks. So I think at the end of the day, uh, Gary Chapman talks about, like, a, a quick little thing to meet with your partner of, is your love tank full? How can I fill it? And so I think that would be another conversation to have with your partner on where are you in your love tank? Are you like at 50%? Are you at 20%? And how can I fill it up? And so Mm -hmm. that would then, you know, ignite a conversation of, well, you know, maybe like every time we go somewhere, it would really make me feel loved if you held my hand. So it's not really Mm -hmm. like a time limit to that point, but more of a based on the situation. Excellent way to, man, your wording was awesome there. Like, Every time we do this, it means a lot if you would do this. And that's a perfect way to be able to say that. So receiving gifts, next love language, gifts. Okay, everybody yeah. thinks, well, gosh, you wouldn't want a present. I mean, come on, gifts, let's <laughs> do this. What does receiving gifts really mean? Receiving gifts. So I think it's pretty self-explanatory. And basically just receiving a thought a thoughtful gift. So this doesn't necessarily mean you go out and you have to spend $50 on your partner if this is their love language. But more mm-hmm. so, um, I mean, I know they say it's the thought that counts, but it would be helpful for a person who speaks that language to receive, you know, a, 
of something, like either a box of tissues that they had been looking for in the store and couldn't find. Like, not everybody would like a box of tissues, but that was special to that person because they couldn't find them anywhere, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, basically receiving gifts is what it is, receiving a gift. (laughs) Thank you, because, you know, I'll I'll say it for husbands. Like, one of the classic problems with men in relationships is they go overboard. They feel like I have to take my wife to Hawaii. I have to buy her a three-carat diamond ring. I have to, you know, take a week off work to be able to go on a trip with her. You know, it's these extravagant things instead of, no. No, yeah, it does not have to be anything extravagant. It can, it really is, if you put the thought behind it, I think that speaks louder than a trip to Hawaii. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though that's nice sometimes. Okay, act of yeah. service. <laughs> acts of service. What is an act of service? Acts of service would um, be anything like anything that might not be enjoyable um, for your partner to do. So... Your partner speaks acts of service, and they really don't like to vacuum. And so what would be helpful for you to speak that partner's love language is to um, vacuum for them. And it could go from anything like um, cleaning the dishes or whatever it is, folding the laundry. Something when you think of service, that's what it makes me think of as something that your partner doesn't totally enjoy doing, and so then you take mm-hmm. it for them. Yeah, and also I, I would say uh, God, this this could be a combo. Tell me what this is because when I go home at the end of a long day and some of my days get pretty late and I'm exhausted, I haven't eaten lunch, and I've just worked client after client, <clears throat> when I go home and my wife has – She's cooked dinner, she's fed the kids, and, you know, I'm I'm last to get home. And she warms up a meal and puts it down and, and sits at the table with me. I feel like she's just met a whole combo of things for me because she gives me the quality. And even if she doesn't sit with me, let's take the quality time out of the picture. And she goes off and does something else. She has thought of me enough to prepare that plate and warm it up for me and put it on the table and say, here, honey, go ahead, just sit you know, and have something to eat. That, to me, is an act of service that it's maybe not necessarily something I don't want to do, but it, it, it's her showing me that I made this for you. Right. Yeah, and that's a good, that's another good example. Yeah, because, you know, that's, and, and like I said, the combo is when she's able to sit down and, you know, sit at the table and talk to me while I eat and, mm-hmm. you know, we share about each other's day and talk about what's going on. So it is possible if you know enough about your significant other to really hit a home run with them a lot because you can learn. If gifts, for instance, are not a big deal to your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, then you don't have to go out and try to find the perfect gift all the time for them. I mean, it's good to give gifts, but that's not going to show them that you really understand who they are and you love them. Exactly. Is that yeah. True? Yeah. And it's just and I think of uh, another example of a uh, male or the boyfriend saying like, "Well, I tell her I love her all day every day." 
and she's still mm-hmm. sitting here saying, I don't know that you love me. <laughs> right. And, and it's like, well, that's not how she speaks that language, so mm-hmm. no wonder she's not getting the message. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like some people are visual visual learners, some are auditory, some are kinesthetic, you know, with the touch and the feel. And mm-hmm. part of it's that too. Like some people really get feel better by hearing things from people and some right. people feel better by seeing, for instance, a bed made or a room clean. Right. Or for instance, like with my wife, the car wash, like washing the car and cleaning the inside is mm-hmm. is just incredible. But yeah. uh, there are other things that, you know, don't really matter that much. And it's not that they're not important because Samantha, hands down, I feel like I talk to people who say, I try to do this. I try to do this. I did this for the other day. I told her this the other day, just like you said. I did all these things, and it's like none of it matters. Well, mm-hmm. is it possible they're barking up the wrong tree and maybe going after the wrong love language, which might be their very own? Like, that's what I want you to talk about. Don't we usually love other people the way we want to be loved? Yes, definitely. And that's that's highlighted in the book, too, that um, it could be used as a tool to find what your love language is at the same time. Um, but, yeah, we're typically going to speak to our partners the way that, you know, our language is. We speak our language to other people. Right. Okay, so to list them out again, words of affirmation, which are basically saying, you know, I appreciate you, I love you, uh, you mean so much to me. It's using the words to tell somebody how you feel. Quality time, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is spending time with somebody in an arena or an atmosphere that matters to them. Like I said, with with yeah. sitting down and eating a meal, if if she sits with me and we talk about things, that matters. Or if we go fishing and she sits on a boat with me, that matters to me. She's communicating to me that she loves mm-hmm. me with that quality time. Physical touch, which is not sex. It can be right. the culmination, but typically it's holding a hand, it's putting your arm around somebody, and mm-hmm. just really appreciating. We do that with our children so well so much of the time, just the hand on their head and rubbing their hair and just right. showing them that they matter. Receiving mm-hmm. gifts, which is the fourth one, and that mm-hmm. is nothing outlandish, big trips, all that stuff. It's really the little basic things that show that we care, whether it's a note, it could be a note on a pillow, I'm thinking. It could mm-hmm. be flowers uh, to your mm-hmm. wife, anything that's really small and means something. It could be a picture, you know, my wife gives to me of the three of them, my wife and my two children, that mm-hmm. I can put in my office. And she realizes that means something to me to see that picture and to see them in it. And then lastly, acts of service which are doing things that maybe you don't always want to do but would matter to the other person. And so when I mentioned cleaning my wife's car, it's not something she wants to do, but Mm -hmm. she will, or putting gas in her car. When it's done, she notices it and she realizes I went the extra mile and love her for that. So with all of these, how does somebody figure out what theirs are, Samantha? Is it just kind of sitting here pondering yourself like, hmm, I think mine are this? Or is there a better way to find out? Is it sitting with a professional? Is it doing an online quiz like I talked about? Like how do we really honestly find out what our love languages are? Well, I think you covered a couple ways to do it. Um, You can take the quiz, and I think that will highlight what is important to you. 
Um, and Gary Chapman also talks about in the book that, like I mentioned earlier, if you find the love language that you speak the most, that's typically what yours is, obviously. Um, so he asks some questions maybe like, what have I most often requested? Um, and what what are the terms of um, checking in on that? And what is it that I complain about the most? Um, that I don't get from my partner. And that's typically how you could gauge, okay, well, this love language really is important to me. Um, and at the same time, I think finding those out can be really simple, but working through learning how to speak them might prove to be a lot more difficult than people realize. And I think that's where it's helpful to have a third party and having a neutral person to sit down with the couple and um, – help uh, the process of speak, excuse me, speaking their language to each other. That's where I want somebody like you to come in here because I think people see going to a professional, going to a therapist such as yourself, and getting help, whether it's a couple that's married, whether they are about to get married, they're engaged, or even a dating couple, uh, mm-hmm. that sometimes it's so helpful and therapy doesn't have to be this weird analysis and psycho kind of crazy scene, and they think, oh, this is going to be like really weird in there, that it can be educational. And part of right. therapy can be literally learning the skill mm-hmm. of what your love language is, is, what your significant other's love language is, and how do you, just like you said earlier, communicate that to them? Because you could know what your love language is, and not communicate it right to your spouse. If mine is um, acts of service, and I'm like, how come you never pick up your things? And how come you never, you know, do anything or get anything for me? It can be real negative and, like, turn off my spouse. Instead of, like you said, saying, you know, it really means so much when – I come home and and that meal is there for me. I mean, it's just it's uh, it just makes my day. And right. a positive so that she gets, "Oh, that really does mean something to him." Mhm. So, can you kind of help people with that if they came in to see you? For sure. I have such a passion for couples and relationships. Um so I I'm definitely willing to um, and excited to help anyone that wants to work through communicating better with their partner. And when they come in or if they want to come in and they're like, man, I don't want to go be analyzed and go through all this therapy and I'm going to be in there like for a year or two, aren't, are you able, like if people come in and say, I just want to learn about these love languages and I want to learn how we can do them better and not sit in here the rest of our lives, can you actually simplify that form so that they can be educated, practice it, and go out and live life? Well, I could. I It's really up to the couple and the clients. They drive the sessions and they drive what they want to give to therapy and what they don't want to give to therapy. So, you know, I could give them a simple, like what I've just done today, and run through it really quick. And at the same time, I can't guarantee that that would give lasting results. Mm-hmm. 
So, so I feel you might get in and start talking about it and then realize there are deeper issues, there are things to deal yeah. with. Right. <clears throat> but not all the time. Not all the time, yeah. By the way, are these applicable to children? Like, I mean, we're talking about all these adult things, but how far down do these love languages work? I think, yeah, um, Gary Chapman has written books specified to children's love languages. And I haven't honestly reviewed those, so I'm not sure if they're the same ones or if they're different ones. But, yes, I think this is applicable to children and teens as well. That's cool. So, um, and in fact, I've got another person here that works at the office that I'm going to have on in a couple of weeks that will talk specifically about children and how to communicate those. Because, Samantha, it's a good point that parents can also learn to do this with their children. Mm-hmm. And if children understand love languages, they can learn how to say, Mom or Dad, that means a lot to me or that helps me or that makes me feel better also. Hmm. Right. Okay, when it comes to men and women, women, Samantha, who's the better communicator, men or women? Oh, gosh. It's so hard for me to put all my eggs in one basket on either of those because I've seen both a man and a woman come into session being excellent communicators. So it's hard for me to say one or the other. <laughs> oh, you're just riding the fence on that. Come on. Okay, let's <laughs> ask, let's ask it this way. What makes... A man, what makes men bad communicators? And what makes men good communicators? Think of it that way. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I'm going to say for men, I'm a guy, so I'll go ahead and say this. You and I can kind of play this out today on the air. I'm going to say what makes us bad communicators is we don't listen. We automatically think we have the answer, we have the fix it, or we say, what is it you want me to do so we can get this conversation over as quick as possible? Or when a trip is planned, how much is it going to cost? Or when the wife takes the car to the um, to get an oil change and comes back and it's $300 bill because they found three other things, that we don't understand the plight of our spouse, of our wife, and we jump to conclusions very quickly and just prejudge and don't want to talk. We don't listen. Yeah, I think the fix-it mentality is a good point. I've seen that pretty much across the board with a lot of males. Um, So I think that could be a, a big part in why it makes it difficult to look at communication as a process instead of a quick fix. Okay, what makes men good communicators? I'm going to tell you, when men forget about the value of this time, and they can literally sit on the edge of the bed with their wife or at a kitchen table or out on the backyard patio and talk for 30 minutes, or I should say listen for 30 minutes to their wife about (laughs) their day, their stresses, their worries, their friends, their family, all that stuff, and not try to fix anything, but try to understand what your wife's telling you, whether she's stressed out, whether she's proud of herself, whether she's worried about the children, and just hear it. Don't fix Mm -hmm. it. Don't change it. And literally try not to speak much. The (laughs) money in the bank, as you said, will grow and grow. And so good men communicators are the ones that start to understand that hearing what my wife says 
and understanding the point she's making is more important than another chore she wants me to do. Yes, understanding is invaluable to relationships. Um, That is what everybody wants is just to be understood. So I think anyone, male or female, who can let down the guard that they put up with their partner and just make an intent to understand them would speak volumes to the relationship. (laughs) Okay. What? Oh, I just can't wait for this one. What makes women (laughs) poor communicators? Seriously, what do women do that's just, no, 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 stop, just don't do it, and you see it in your office, and you want to just raise the white flag and say, I surrender, don't do this anymore. What do they do? I would say a lot of the time women have about 400 other thoughts running through their mind all at once. (laughs) And so I think what gets in the way of effective communication for women would be they have this 10 other, one thought over 10 thoughts about what's happening in the moment that they apply as truth. And they don't talk about it, they just act on it. And so I think um, I think our women, as a woman, I think our minds are just so complicated that we're thinking of so much that it's like we forget to actually talk through each of those points that we're thinking about, um, mm-hmm. or it's too much to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of factors that could go into why we don't talk about the things that are flooding our minds, but I think that could be a huge factor as to why it's hard to be effectively communicate, how it's hard to effectively communicate when there's just so many things running through our mind at the same time. And I'm going to tell you this. The other thing, piggybacking on that, that I think women struggle with is it's too much too soon. In other words, as soon as the husband walks in the back door or as soon as something happens, they're on the phone with them and just flooding all this information in. And, of course, the guy's mentality is, what does she need me to fix? What am I supposed to do? What am I in trouble for? And they start calculating all this. That women understanding timing could Mm -hmm. really help out. And when is a good time to say what I need to say? Or when is a good time to, you know, address something? You know, timing. Yes, timing is very important for both male and female. If you're going to unload a bunch of information that's been boiling in your head all day, you have to find a good time to release that. Okay, so when you're in an office working with a couple, and I want to bring this out because I think it's really critical for couples to know, you are currently not married, correct? Correct. No children. No kids. Here's what I was told as a 25-year-old over 20 years ago, seeing people in my office as a new budding therapist how in the heck can you help me? You've got zero <laughs> life experience, Tom, with being married or having children or nothing. I didn't have a girlfriend at that point. I was just flying solo. And I thought it was really important that one of my mentors that taught me so much about this field said, that's actually a bonus, Tom, because you are not biased with all your life experience and with all your relationship stuff and you literally can teach and guide people on a topic of information with their children and with their spouse that other people who have all this toxic stuff that's happened can't do and so how can you 
help people with love languages in their marriage or in their relationship when you're not married? That is an excellent question that I know a lot of people probably will have and have had, but I I think that's a good point that I and I have a clearer mind to take in what my clients are presenting to me and use their situation as opposed to comparing it to my own. And um, something that one of my friends had said in my program for my master's degree was, you know, someone that comes in, this is just for an example of grieving. They're grieving the loss of their dad. And so they're probably thinking like, well, how can you help me if you haven't lost your dad? And something that my friend had said was, you know, I haven't lost my dad, but I've experienced loss and I've experienced Mm -hmm. grieving. And so just as with a married couple that would come to me and might have that question, I'm not married, but I've experienced relationships. I've experienced Mm -hmm. fighting in relationships. And so, no, it's not the same exact situation as a married couple, but I have definitely... Um, I know I can be empathetic towards what they're experiencing because I've experienced it on a different, in a different way. Yeah, and that's the key is I have knowledge, I have an ability, and I've been trained to work with you as a professional, mm-hmm. not as a friend, not as a relative, not as a neighbor, but as a professional to take out all the other stuff and focus strictly on what I'm seeing you talk, tell me today and how you're acting today. And so you've got a skill that's been taught to you that you can actually educate and lead and inform people on that will help them make their relationship better. It's not about you can only teach people how to parent if you've been a parent. That's not accurate at all. Right. In fact, the more education and the more experience you have working with children and parents and seeing those experiences happen, the better off you're going to be with it. So I think it's pretty critical, Samantha, that people know it's about how you, what kind of relationship you have with a therapist that's going to make the difference, not so much whether or not um, they have the same exact kind of lifestyle. Like for me being married with two children, oh, I don't need to find a therapist that's married with two children to relate to me. They can relate to me based on the experience that they have. So is there anybody that this is not for? Like is this – and by the way, you've got what? We've got eight minutes left. This is just flying by. If you want to call in real quick and ask Samantha a question, please do. We've got a lot of callers listening on their phones. Area code 347-838-9737. If you push the number one, you will be put into the studio, and we will get you on air to ask a question really quick because we have eight minutes left. Is there anybody this isn't for? Like, you know, love language thing just doesn't really fit for this type of personality, or can it be done with everybody? I would, in my opinion, I would say that it it could speak to everybody. I don't know. I haven't given it a lot of thought about a population that it wouldn't speak to. In my opinion, though, it would it would benefit everyone to hear and learn about the five love languages. So let me ask you this. How can people, husbands, wives, men, women, talking about their significant others out there, how can they go out today and actually say, okay, I've heard about all these five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, um, what else is it? What are the other two? Uh, physical Physical touch. touch, acts of service. And, yeah. I've learned all about these five. 
how can they go out today and actually make something happen in their relationship? Well, there's a lot of ways to get the ball rolling if they if they feel they need to make a difference to their relationship. And I would be biased and say I would love for them to come in and see me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But they could definitely purchase the book or rent the book, whatever is easiest. And I think it would be really helpful for all couples to read the five love languages um, just to get a taste even of what they're about and how they are so beneficial for couples to know and understand. Yeah. And even if they go to the Five Love Languages uh, website, if you literally look at each of the topics, words of affirmation, and you go home and try it with your spouse or your significant other, you'd be able to tell whether it works. In other words, if you go home with words of affirmation, you talk to them about, I love you, I really appreciate you being here, you mean so much to me, does that matter to you? And you could literally ask your your girlfriend or boyfriend, does that matter to you? Like, did that help? <laughs> you could go home right. and say, I want to spend 30 minutes with you, just us, just sitting here, you know, just talking about things. Or you could sit down next to them and hold their hand. And you can literally ask them after you do each of these love languages, how does that does that matter to you? Like, does that mean much to you? And they could say, "Well, I like when you hold my hand, but it's not the end of the world." Like for me, I appreciate getting gifts and things, mm-hmm. but my numero uno when I took this quiz, hands down, perfect score was words of affirmation. Like, if anybody mm-hmm. wants to make me feel better, it's Tom. I appreciate that. Or and and it could be why I um hold doors open for people so many so much of the time or try to help people carry things to their car because I appreciate hearing thank you so much. I don't know, but it's it's part of words of affirmation for me was like number one and right behind it was quality time on this mm-hmm. quiz that I took. Which meant, like I said with my wife, being able to, you know, sit with me and just kind of listen or talk to me or go on a boat or or do something fun that's just us, even a date that we go literally to the mall and walk around, yeah. that means more than me getting a present or something like that. And so right. I think it is so valuable, isn't it, for, for people to go home to their spouse and say, tell me which of these you think mean more to you. Because some of us can just right away knock away a couple, like those are great, but those don't do it for me. For sure, yeah. Definitely talking with your partner having them explore what's important to them and also sharing what's important to you is a great start to get the ball rolling on speaking more effectively with your partner. Okay. And also to realize that, you know, if communication is a big issue, which I think it is in relationships and in marriage especially and why I think uh, that there is so much divorce, and let's say finances are a big issue in marriage also, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to communicate uh, through these love languages and you try to make things all better in your relationship and you go out and buy a big gift and create more financial strain or you go out and um, uh, quit your job so you can spend more time at home <laughs> and, you know, because you want to spend quality time with your wife. It's really important to ask your – I think it's so good for couples to ask their spouse, what what does matter to you? You know, mm-hmm. and please tell me – you said it earlier – it's so good for people to say when something hit a home run, when your boyfriend and girlfriend, husband, wife hits a home run and does something awesome, tell them because they can get that in their database and know to do it yeah. again. Exactly, yes. 
All right. I want to know any final words from you, Samantha, on just, I don't know, tips, things that people can do um, that are easy troubleshooters, and you're talking to men and women out there. Give one at a time, the men and the women, their tip of the day of what they either should do or shouldn't do walking out the door today. Should they shouldn't. Um, Well, in regards to the five love languages, I just can't emphasize enough how important they really are to couples and how how helpful they are to a relationship and um i it it might be difficult to learn to speak your partner's language, but I have to say it is worth it because um I mean, if you can't speak to your partner about how much you love them, I just think, what are you doing in the relationship? Um, So taking the time to either read this book or take the really quick quiz online to understand, even to understand what your love language is um, and to also gain knowledge about what your partner's love language is, I think would be worth time for anybody. And um, it's very helpful, um, even if you already know your love language, to check in with your partner and and do the love tank thing at the end of the day every day. Say, well, where are you today? Are you out of 50%? Am I doing this, you know, well for you? Are you feeling that I love you? It is always helpful to not assume those things, but rather discuss them with your partner. And I do want to say this. The love languages, I think, can probably change over time. And as we grow and we mature and we've been together with somebody for a while, they can morph into other things, right? And it's funny you ask that because I was just reading, um, someone asked Gary Chapman that question, and his opinion was that they are pretty steady throughout your mm-hmm. life. But I think I think you're right on they could probably – um, shift within the love language, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. So, like, how you yeah. speak that language could change. Yeah. Well, Samantha, I am so thankful that you came on the air today. Samantha Ritter is, again, a licensed marriage and family therapist associate here in my practice in northwest Houston. And you can find out more about her at our website at tomstevens.us. Again, tomstevens.us or you can call the office here at uh, 281-493-4499. You can also check out the app we have uh, in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Just search under Tom Stevens, and you can download that. It has information on us, and you can come see Samantha right here in the office and get these five love languages down. Samantha, thanks so much for coming. I hope we can talk to you again in the future. Thank you, Tom. All right, that was an amazing show. So much information. But again, like I said, we're going to follow up in two weeks with the Love Languages for Children. And next week coming up, you're going to want this because it is social media for teenagers, the do's, the don'ts, the apps that people should have and shouldn't have. Parents, you better watch out because there is danger out there. Thanks for being on the show today, and we will see you next week.